0: Hey everyone, welcome to The Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy The Breakthrough Breakdown.
1: Welcome to The Breakthrough Breakdown. This is Jason. This is Kate. I'm John. I'm Jaden. Hey Jaden, it's your first time here.
0: Uh, second time, actually. <gasps> How not... dare
2: you forget his oh. first time?
0: I was on, like, the third one ever. Was I here for that? <laughs>
2: You've no been at ourselves. all of them except for two.
1: And was he at one of the two that I wasn't on? No. No, you were there. I don't remember you being on uh, that. Did lot. you guys see that it was it's over a year? Did you
2: see the one year anniversary? How, we should, we should have, have, have done a thing about it. We
1: should have how many have we done? We've done a lot of episodes. At oh. least fifty two.
2: <laughs> yeah. At least fifty two <laughs> now. So let's go with fifty two. We'll start counting now. So, Quigley can probably tell us. Okay, you I wonder what, I,
1: know what, what I wonder what our numbers are, how many people have listened, what's our download. One
2: hundred billion. One
1: people. billion people. That's really a really big year about- already. Yeah. yeah, over a year. We're going on a year and a half of craziness.
2: What? What? Okay. Oh, I'm going on 30.
1: Yeah, oh. I'm going on. I'll be 47 in July.
2: I know. Isn't that crazy, man? I'll... Guys,
1: what's that like? <laughs> you're nope. old to... you're I'm older you than your mom, which is so weird to me. Your mom. Uh. <laughs> your mom.
2: <laughs> completely relevant to the conversation.
1: So you know what's so funny? Okay, so I found out that we have several people. Several older people who listen to the podcast and love it, which is great.
2: Because we're goofy. <laughs> because we're
1: <cool> I- <laughs> Uh You know, one of the things that I appreciate about the podcast, and it was so funny listening to Megan. Uh, so Megan Dennis, if you don't know her, she is our executive director. She's like, I don't like listening to podcasts because it reminds her too much of radio. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's like the modern form of talk radio. Well,
1: what's crazy is is the average listener for podcasts are males, 18 to like 32 or something like that.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I can
1: see that. So that's like, and you know what uh, the other part that's interesting? The most successful podcasts right now are sometimes up to three hours long.
3: Yeah. That's crazy.
1: You got time for that. No, I ain't got time for
3: that. I only ever listen to podcasts, I feel like, if I'm on a long drive somewhere. I, I don't yeah. I, I like was, it
2: if I'm working on something that is like you know, minuscule task or like uh-huh. repetitive task. But yep. most of the time mm-hmm. I'll listen to music. But if like I can't listen to music like it's too loud or too much, I'll listen to podcasts while I like
0: cook for CR a lot. So I listen
1: to podcasts working out and when I drive. Those are kind of my two big ones. How about yeah, you, yeah. Jaden? Do you listen to podcasts?
0: I pretty much just listen to the Bible Project. Mm. It's such
1: Bible a great Bible. podcast. And I just awesome. like them.
0: But it fills the space but also I feel like I'm gaining something from it too
1: so it's just nice. and what's the other guy's name Tim and John something I
2: can't remember That's... but the coolest thing about their podcast is that it has a like corresponding app is that, that it's goes better than ours it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> they're pretty, now, they've been now. doing it for like a decade and though this really, kind of stuff and they're really good they're really good well educated give it a like give it a listen
1: yeah. but
2: like and download ours first,
1: <laughs> download ours first. <laughs> and share it share it lots <laughs> lots with people yeah yeah uh so hey uh okay we are now post how did everybody feel like the 150th anniversary event
2: um i didn't eat one of the thousands of hot dogs no i did eat one because we had so many kids doing face paint and balloon animals Mm -hmm. it was so much fun it was crazy like kids ministry we take a break in the summer so it was kind of nice to see everybody in a lot of new faces which was really great
1: you know what was comical to me was during service because you made you made balloons. I made so
2: I was practicing. Yeah, I'm
1: unfortunately so in the middle in the middle of my I message here. I know. <laughs> and then one of them exploded. One of them blew up, and I was like, "What's that?"
2: I'm so sorry. No, it's just the
1: lesson here is don't give children balloons, and of course there's all service. the childrens in the front of the service. Oh, of
2: course, they were like, like all H. the way them in, like. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, the childrens weren't there. Oh, slackers! If they're listening, which they're not, I'm sure, but
2: that's fine. All,
1: uh-huh. all seven of our listeners. Thank you to all seven of our listeners. Yeah, I, I of our staff. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, the other thing too about that was uh, it, we were rained out, so we had yeah. to be in the dock, and so it's a lot smaller of a space than mm-hmm. you know the entirety of City, City Park, Park. And uh, I will say
1: this though, so. um, balloon squeaking is way better than having somebody hold yeah. a pinwheel and shine its chromeness. I mean, while (laughs) I'm preaching, which happened last year in the bar. I forgot about
2: that. I bought pinwheels again for the barn. Do not hand them out. Do not
1: hand them out until after service. Deal, deal, deal. Literally, no lie. And I won't say names, but there was an individual who purposely was trying to shine (laughs) the light in my face while I was preaching, and it was blinding me because they were chrome. And it hit course, my eye, and yeah. I kept on trying to get like Kate or Megan, somebody's attention. Yeah. But I didn't. Yeah. I didn't want to be like rude or disrupt the service. But yeah, it made you me... held
2: on tight. Pray for your pastors out there. You never know what kind of disruptions
1: are working against yeah, them. Yeah, pinwheels, <laughs> balloons. <laughs> I remember. Th- I remember
3: that because I noticed that from my Kids spot out channel. in the middle of the and you were laughing park, the and circuit. I was like, "Is there a is there a glare on his face? That's, what's that?" <laughs>
1: Were you laughing, going, ha, but i just Jason.
0: looking especially radiant today? Yeah, yeah. I don't know uh, that I, I, know, I put it. it together.
1: So, you know what was Meeting. cool? What I loved about the 150th, back to that, back to that. Yeah. Uh, I actually saw several people that were new to our church. Yeah. And we had several people from the community who just came in because they heard there was a block party, which was the goal. Yeah. How it cool, cool it would have been. Imagine if we had been outside, how many people would have had the opportunity. Right. But it's all good. Yeah. It's it exactly worked where it needed to be. That's right. All right, so we are in uh, our week three wow. of our "This is How I Fight." We're this will be the second week in the park because last week we were Rain. rained out. Though I don't think it rained until after service. Yeah, yeah well, hey, we, we you can only do? do what we do, right? Yeah. yeah. All right, so we talk about strongholds, breaking strongholds. Last week we talked about how the enemy uses the lies in our strongholds. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm going to ask a big, broad question. You can answer it as whatever you feel like it is. Uh, What do you feel like some of the strongholds, the lies in American culture?
0: Mm.
2: I think Mm. that, like, we've talked about it before in previous podcasts. I think even within the series of that live, you have to do it yourself. Like a can-do attitude, that American dream, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, being independent, taking pride in that independency. Like, we even have Independence Day. That's what we're talking about, the 4th of July. Yeah that i think that's a stronghold that's a lie because it makes it so difficult especially for men to reach out for help if they ever need help or to reach out and talk about things that could make them seem like they're not independent or that they're weak you know i, I think that that's a huge
1: lie okay what are some other strongholds in our american culture yeah i was gonna
3: jump on that one too i think that's that oh. is a, absolutely a big one um I think too, there's like this mantra now of like you, whoever, if, if I'm, you know, if I've got an opinion or if I've got something that I think about, you know, I'm entitled to think whatever I want to think. And there's just no discourse about it. It's like, this is, the you know, free speech and the land of opportunity. And I think it just gives a lot of people just, I'm going to speak my truth. I'm going to, I'm going to say what's on my mind. It's like, but we can listen, too.
2: Yeah, you might have the right to say anything you want, but that doesn't take away the consequence of saying that thing. The responsibility. The responsibility yeah, right. of your, using your words. I, yeah. think, I like that. That's good.
1: Yeah.
0: I think one of them is, like, the nose to the grindstone mentality, but that's it.
1: Productivity. Right. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. solely
0: just um, mountain climbing. It's, like, just trying to reach the, the pinnacle or, like, be the CEO, be the top uh, gun. Um, and Really, not affording yourself any time to.
1: Good reference to Tom Cruise movie, by the way. Yeah,
0: mm. absolutely, the Top Gun. Um, <laughs> go see Maverick; it's pretty good. Oh, um, but in just you're not affording yourself any time to really stop and smell the roses if you're just constantly working and working and working towards that next goal. So I think one of them is just like that grind, yeah, mentality.
1: I think one of them it's it's the opposite of that, but it's still playing into that, which is the there was a song in the eighties, everybody's working for the weekend.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which
1: is that I have the right, my my job is, you know, if I don't have, yeah. if I can't play like there's, I think that is a stronghold. Like we actually think that it's all about vacations and retirement. And yeah. think about what a new concept that is in the history of humanity. Like yeah. up until 70 years ago, I don't even know when it started, but I know retirement has never been a part of culture. And now it's a right. Like, I should get to play, I should get these things, and, and yet here's the thing: a lot of the reasons why people put their nose to the grind and so they can stop later mm-hmm. and it's such a weird thing because I mean, I think American culture compared to other places, we have so many interesting they come from blessings, and isn't that the lie that the enemy brings as he twists the blessing mm-hmm. to now all of a sudden the it becomes it, it it takes the focus off the right thing that now all of a sudden we become. Here's a
2: really cool illustration that's talking about um, like that blessing where you twist it. So it's like give a kid a rock and a sucker and then have them put the rock in their shoe and walk with the sucker in their mouth and have them go down and back, you know, quite a ways. And they come back and you say like, so how was it? And most likely they're going to complain about the rock in their shoe. Mm. Most of them will never say anything about the sucker that they got. Interesting. Because there, there's we are our blessings can sometimes be overshadowed by our suffering. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. If, we, if we if we focus on them and we if we let them absolutely if we let them mm-hmm. yeah,
2: but that's talking you know getting back into what you were talking about of like taking every thought captive. Yeah. You know, if you have that mind over matter almost kind of mentality of like, oh, I can get through this, and with Christ. Yeah and his help and, and, and skills that I get from tools that are available to me, like therapy and things like that, yeah. I'm, able to, I'm able to overcome that.
1: So, you know, we were talking about, um, last week was how do we recognize the strongholds? How do we recognize the lies? And we, we alluded to it a little bit last week, but I talked more about it on, and we'll be talking about this Sunday, um, is John 10.10. This yeah. the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the thief he's referring to is not Satan, but the Pharisees, the religious people who got in the way of Jesus' ministry, and I don't think I hit it too much last Sunday, and I'm not going to really hit it this Sunday. Yeah. But how interesting is it that the biggest obstacle to Jesus' ministry, it wasn't the Roman Empire, it wasn't other religions, it was God's people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the stronghold that exists within God's people, the church, and it it goes to every generation, doesn't matter if you're Jewish or Christian, the people of the Bible, what we see is they get locked into their religion. Religion becomes their stronghold. Yeah. God only operates this way. And if you go outside of that, they determine how God should operate instead of giving God the freedom to move how he wants to. Yeah. And I was thinking about, like, how easy is it for our complaints, the things that we tend to be upset about? Usually, I wonder if they're actually God's as upset about them as we are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I wonder how the stronghold within some of the lies that we believe in church is that church is about making me happy, my preferences— uh, and I'm going to bring up one that it's kind of a sensitive subject for some people, but like, let's take no- noise volume, right? Okay. Uh, how many people are quick to say, I can't worship if it's loud. And yet, when we look at the Old Testament and even the picture of worship in heaven, you get the sense that it's loud. bumping. <laughs> yeah, well, like, and even the people in Israel, when Israel was was worshiping, sometimes it's described as so loud that the building shook. Like. Mm -hmm. And yet here we are, like if I have a certain decibel that I want, now I'm not saying that we should always let things be loud. And there's, I think there's a point at which we're not serving people. Right. But think about even the programs or how things are, I didn't like that song. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. And I think
1: that goes, that's why I bring that up about our American ideals. I think that there are certain things that we then carry over into the church as part of our human nature.
2: Yeah. I always talk about it with kids because, you know, anytime you, um, do things with children, you're offering up yourself to be complained to because they complain about literally all things, which I think (laughs) is a really telling thing about how safe they feel if they complain to you. So I have to be really careful not to take complaints from children personally, but we also need to guide them. And so when they're complaining about things like, oh, I don't like the worship. I don't want to do the actions. I don't like the game. It's too loud in here. I don't want to do the small group stuff. I'm I don't tired like of that. eating man in the I'm desert. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, I always, I always go back to that. You know, and I know it's out of context and the wrong way to do it, but I always explain that there's a time for everything. There's a yeah. time for mourning and weeping. And right now, the time that we're doing, we're doing small group right now. Yeah. It's not always just for you. There are going to be things that you do like, yeah. but who is this for? Oh, it's and, for yeah. God. And
1: so that's, that's why that John 10, 10 I think yeah. Jesus gives us a clue on how to recognize some of the lies is that do they steal, kill, or destroy? The problem becomes, this is what I talked about on Sunday, is we look through the wrong lens. Does it steal from me? Does it rob from me? Yeah. Does it kill my joy? Yeah. And what the gospel, what Jesus Amen. says is, no, we first have to ask is, does it steal or rob from God's glory, from okay. God's mission, God's purpose, God's people, um, God's creation? And if now some God is my first object, yeah. then I turn in and say, well, does it actually steal from my identity that Christ has given me?
2: I love that. And you think like, if you would ask yourself that, before you complained, first yeah. think, the thing that you're complaining about, does it steal from me, does it rob from me, whatever. And then think, does it do from God? Yeah. You might not still voice that concern.
1: I, uh, this was convicting for me. This That's was, cool. I like I, that. I've said this before, that when I preach, one of the things I had a, a professor and a pastor said this to me, you should always preach to yourself before you ever preach to anybody else. Mm-hmm. And as I was writing that, I was thinking about all the times in my life whether as a staff person or whether or not I was just a member of a church. Most of my complaints had nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. Mm. They were all things Mm -hmm. that I didn't like, or I made an assumption that I was speaking on behalf of God. Sure. (laughs) And and,
3: and, and I mean, it's like you, you have so often when you are voicing a complaint, it isn't to do with anybody else or anything else other than your comfort or your desire i'm I'm trying to think like of the times that i voice a complaint it's usually because i feel something is affecting me in a negative way and it's like yeah wow just thinking about that like how often my complaints are inwardly focused about my own it's place kind of, in the world, you know.
2: There is a difference between complaining and advocating.
3: Mm-hmm. And, and it's, yeah, I'm very, very few times I, do I advocate for anybody.
1: And usually know? if we are advocating, we're really doing it through the guise of ourselves. I'm going to uh, I'll make it about somebody else, but it's really about yes. me. And I'm using them as the means to com- voice my complaint. Now, on the flip side, I think there are times in which as a pastor, um, there's an old adage that said the, the people vote with their feet. Mm-hmm. And my job is to meet people where they are. Our job as staff is to meet people where they are, but it's also to guide them to where they should be. Yeah. And if all you're doing is meeting people where they are, but you're not leading them into greener pastures, if you're not leading them to the Lord, then it's the sheep leading the shepherd, not the other way around. And I think the problem becomes, and this is... They'll stop
2: with you and you're not the goal.
1: That's right. And I think this goes back to the stronghold. One of the stronghold that exists for me, um, particularly in a role as a pastor is sometimes I get so caught up in people pleasing that I'll I'll sometimes it's easy to not want to say the hard thing or challenge because I don't want him to leave or I don't want yeah, him to be upset. Right.
2: Amen. And
1: Jesus had no problem upsetting people when he knew he was doing the will of the Father.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. And and that's I'm not Jesus, so let's just be clear there. Like there are yeah. times <laughs> that I, I might think I'm doing God's will and I may not be, but there are some things that God calls us to. Yeah. And that are uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And God pushes us. I, I think about I had a a friend years ago, every time I'd ask him to do something, he would always say, well, I just don't have peace about that. And I was his pastor, and I finally, after hearing this for about two years, two years, Uh I just don't have peace about that. I finally said, "Um, can can I just offer a loving challenge? Show me in the Bible where it says that God promises peace. Well, it says he gives perfect peace beyond all understanding. Yeah, that's in the midst of trials. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that if you don't have... Yeah,
2: it's His peace. It's His his peace.
1: It's not peace in the situation. It's in spite of those situations, in spite of how... You are able to
2: remain peaceful. That's
1: right. Not a, well, if I don't feel at peace, it must not be God's will.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, And that's where good Christians were really good at using Christianese and throwing out words and verbiage that eliminate, or the Lord hasn't spoken to me on that. How would you know if the Lord spoke to you on it? Mm -hmm. And I think that, again, we come to the strongholds and what are some of the lies yeah, uh, that the enemy goes for. So now here's the question. Like, if, if we look at it through the lens of Elias, does it steal, kill or destroy God's, his identity, yeah. his character, his worship? Um, now, all of a sudden, that changes a priority. And, sh- and is it my responsibility to voice those things or do, do I let God do it? And I I don't know that there's an easy answer for that. All right. So here's the other part. We talked about this last week, but we got into it again this week is Satan understands that the best way to make you ineffective is to get a hold of your thoughts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Most of the battles are not physical for us. They're in the mind, according to Paul. Right. Um, What are some of the what are when you think about the sneaky ways that Satan wants to do those things? How how do you think he how do you think he weasels his way into our thought life? What
2: I think of like we've talked about it before too, but like that idea of a shadow self, like this idea that I have this perpetual self fulfilling prophecy about myself because of my personality that I do the very thing that I hate. That why do I do the things I don't, don't want to do? So, yeah. Oh, yeah, don't, don't do the things so. I want to do. You know, it's like I despise people that are selfish and, you know, that's something like, oh, I would never be like that. I remember one time Mm -hmm. I said it before on the podcast even where I said, oh, I would never do that. I'm too humble. And it was like this, I I literally said it at a restaurant once and it like slapped me across the face. And I was like, did you just say that? So you weren't
1: joking when you said it. I wasn't, I was, a.
2: it was total lack of self-awareness of what I was saying. And it was, and it finally clicked. And I was like, I am so prideful, but here I am despising pride, but it's this the darker side of myself that if I really looked at that, honestly, then that darkness wouldn't breed into sin and temptation for me to be prideful or people-pleasing and all that that comes with my personality. Yeah.
1: Uh So one of mine, and this goes back to that Enneagram conversation, the goal of the Enneagram is not so you can make excuses. It's to reveal the excuses you make, right? Yeah. And one of my complaints is when people don't honor their words. Yeah. And yet one of the things that I'll do when I'm stressed is I'll find excuses to not do something. Sure. Doesn't matter if the commitment's there or not. All <laughs> and I do it. And I remember I, when I got confronted with that, I'm like, I can't stand how people do that as I'm literally backing out of a commitment. Yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. it, it kind
2: of sneaks up on you.
1: It does. Well, that's the that's the silliness of yeah. it is because you you don't see it until you until you say it, and all of a sudden you're
2: like, I should not have said that. Those
1: <laughs> can I take that back? <laughs> yeah. What other what other ways do you think the enemy influences? And and this is getting to this next point, but. What are some of the ways that the enemy influences and speaks those lies into us?
3: I was trying to think about my own kind of struggles that I have or thoughts that I buy into or believe. I, I think sometimes I, I'm like, I am so set if... Satan tries to come at me directly. Like if, like if I had the experience in the desert and the wilderness with Jesus and Satan, like if that was me and Satan is standing right in front of me going, hey, I got this for you. I'd be like, Psh, get out of here. No way. But he doesn't do that. It's never like that. It's never, you know, flash of fire and there's, there's the devil standing right in front of me. It's always, you know, the little thoughts in your head that you can justify. And I feel like I have so many of those little thoughts of like, no, nah, I can get to that later. Like, if I'm, if I'm going to be doing something uh, that God's calling me to or stepping into something new, I can, it's so easy for me to just be like, well, I can get to that later. I mean, I don't no. have to do that today. What's the big urgency? Why do I need to do it right now?
1: I'll get to it tomorrow. He leans on things that are your natural tendency. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like That's why he's so sly is he... Yeah. He knows your weakness. He knows where you're leaning already. So he'll speak to that little lie. Yeah. Because he knows it doesn't take much of a shove to get you there.
2: I can't remember if it was Beth Moore or Jackie Hill Perry, but I feel like I heard it at some kind of Lifeway women's event. But they said, the devil knows
0: things about you, but God knows your heart.
1: That's right. And that's right. where we're getting to. We're getting Amen. There. Yeah. Any, any thoughts, Jaden?
0: Uh, yeah. I was just going to say, it's like, for me, it's like if I had a, a stroll, it's like he it tries to draw my focus. Yeah. Uh, like you said, he pushes on the things that like, Are you know easiest. So like if I if I I really have to get down and 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 hone in on something if if it needs to be done, I'm a person who can be very easily uh, uh, distracted. And so for me, if it's like even if it's me trying to focus on worship or prayer or a devotional or something, and he'll be like, oh, but wouldn't you much rather think about this thing that's been ailing you, or wouldn't you rather uh focus on this like just don't focus on God here, do this other thing. Right? Or, hey, well, what about that? Like, that made you upset yesterday. Think about that instead. Don't try to do this. Mm. And so, for me, it's just kind of like uh, I always feel like the battle is just trying to get me off the beaten path. Like, oh, no, think about this instead. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, that's pretty much it.
1: I think that's helpful for us because if when we can realize our weaknesses, then we're nowhere we're susceptible. Amen. So you know, there, there's that old oh, the chink in the armor. Yeah. Right. If you know where the if you know where the cracks are, if you know where the things are, and that requires some self awareness. Yes. Yeah. And I think a lot of the reason why um, so many Christians get stuck in strongholds is they've not done the work to ask hard questions of where is yes. my weaknesses. I oh,
0: agree. Yeah. And yeah. And,
1: well,
0: and that prayer.
1: What is search it? Me like, yeah, search me oh search me, oh God. Prayer. Yeah. Psalms. Well, and that is, I mean, think about how dangerous Psalm Psalm 139, search me, God, know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. If you actually mean that when you pray it,
2: you may not like
1: like the score you get. Test me, like, uh, Jason, you got a big fat D.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) right? I will admit, though, I feel like that is a very common prayer for a lot of people, whether it's not those words, but I do feel people in searching after the heart of Jesus, and maybe it doesn't sound like that, maybe it's just, God, show me my heart. Show me the parts of my heart I don't know. Show me how you can shape it to be yours, right? Like, I think there is a desire that we want to see be brought to light the cockroaches, right?
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know that I completely agree with that. And I think I think in some people there are I think
2: I, it's the spirit. I
1: think it's when the spirit's working in people. Because yeah. I get the heart of what you're saying. I,
2: and Paul talks about that conflict of spirit and flesh. Yeah. The spirit wants you to come into the light and have mm-hmm. right relationship. I think, but your flesh doesn't. I think our flesh,
1: yeah. and that's I think yeah. I think what, what we hear in that, and I think this is where I would agree with that, is I think when there are people who are actively following Jesus, mm-hmm. I believe that's the case. When they're actually looking and saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. And I, I wonder if a lot of people they want Jesus to follow them.
2: Yeah. And go where prayer, I go, Jesus.
1: That prayer is scary for them. Yeah. And that is, that's a hard prayer. So it's not that I disagree with it. I think it's i think it's all in who. The, if, you're, if your affection is attention and on Jesus, mm-hmm. that's a safe prayer. Yeah.
3: Well, I think to your point, Jaden, I think some people would be like, Read that little section of scripture, search me, oh God, and know me, and be like, Yeah, I can do that. And then as soon as something is revealed, <laughs> something <that> they don't <laughs> like they're oh, like, no, 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 I, I was that. just joking. Like, not that. It's I like what never pray for humility. No, no, yeah. Lord, search me, patience. The, search me and tell me
1: the good things. Yeah, be like.
2: good
1: at yeah, the good. Jason, yeah. I think you're awesome. Well, thank you, Lord. And let's move on. Yeah, yeah.
2: Give me the purpose, not the roadblocks.
1: That's all I want. So here's why I brought this up is that. When we think about the enemy, the enemy doesn't know our thoughts. He's not God. Now, I, I can't, maybe there, are, there is a verse, but I can't think of any verse that specifically says that the devil doesn't know your thoughts. But here's the theme. It says, only God knows the thoughts of man. Only God knows the hearts of man. Yeah. Which means that Satan cannot read your mind, which means that when you are exposing things, you actually have to say them out loud. You can't think it. You have to proclaim the name of Jesus. Because it's in that proclamation, Satan knows you're on to him. Otherwise, and the, the illustration I gave, a, I gave somebody yesterday, we were talking about this, is Satan is like a thief outside of your house. Mm. He's locked out. He, if, you're, if you're in there having a quiet conversation, he has no idea what's going on, but he can certainly yell in.
2: Yeah,
1: And he is, he wants you to be afraid. He wants you to make bad decisions. But he's locked out of the house, so to speak, in the mind. He doesn't know what's in your mind.
3: And he can still affect things. He can still affect your mind, but he
1: cannot, he does not know your mind. He does not know your thoughts. Right. And and I think a lot of times we think Satan knows our thoughts. No, but he knows how to influence them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He knows the lies to press on us. And in that sense, sometimes it feels like he knows our thoughts, but no, what he knows is our actions. Because what Satan can tell, so let's say you struggle with anger. Well, Satan watches that. He sees that you get angry quickly. So what does he do? He knows you're leaning there. He's going to tempt you and entice you to things that make you angry. Oh, didn't that and,
3: person say that frustrating
1: thing? Don't you want to just yes. get in their face? And then James tells us that at some point we can't even blame the devil. It's just my own That's flesh right. that entices me. That's I was just going
2: to say that sometimes we give the devil too much credit because he's not omniscient. He's not omnipotent. Right. He can't be everywhere. That's right.
1: He's not everywhere. So he's not. I'm not that important that Satan himself That's is right. coming after me. Now <laughs> demons might be.
2: But am I a broken, sinful creature? Yes. And sometimes it's my own fault that I am stepping into this sin and temptation that he leaves. Readily- he doesn't have to work very hard to try to trick
3: me. Yeah, I was going to. I was just about to say it's like. It's like you're just he's he's just pushing, the
1: well, ball that was the off illustration the hill, right. so the illustration of it is that Satan always wants to get in the way of the cross, and when yeah. your your back is to the cross, he doesn't have a lot of work to do. He doesn't even have to be that strong to be a, a slight breeze, That's right, yep.
2: but when you start running towards the cross and you start doing things like giving testimonies and stepping right. out in faith and serving and working for God's kingdom. Oh, he's trying. When you're now he's When trying. you're
1: confessing and repenting, saying Amen. I don't want that, now all of a sudden he's throwing obstacles that's and roadblocks. Right. And and I wonder sometimes the spiritual battles that we face and why so many Christians get discouraged. Like, well, Jason, I repented and I confessed, and life's getting harder. Well, yeah, because now the enemy's mad at you. That's right. Mm-hmm. Like Keep he, going. Yeah, and it's and of course it's easier when you're in a line with him.
3: Amen. Yeah.
1: But you're, you're now hostile, you're not a threat. That's right. And that's so right. once you step into becoming a threat. Satan's going to throw up roadblocks and lies because he also knows that if, again, if he can discourage you and discredit you, that you go, maybe this isn't worth it. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and, okay. I, and it, that's, uh, in Hebrews, it says, for the cross set before him, Jesus endured the cross, becoming perfect. For and the obedient. joy set before him. For the joy sure. set before him. Well, what yep. did I say? Yeah. What I meant. You yep. know what I meant. I yeah.
2: knew what you
1: meant. Uh, but Jesus had to obey. Well, Satan tried to get in the way of the cross.
2: Amen. Get to Jesus. Me. That's right.
1: Multiple times, even before, even when Jesus began his ministry, the three temptations. And
2: King Herod when he was born. Yes. Yeah, it <laughs>
1: constantly, and Jesus was going to the cross to save humanity, and Satan knew. Yeah. And so I wondered, oh, this is good. I wonder if maybe I should bring this on Sunday to think about it.
2: Because this is pre-recorded. Yeah, it's true.
1: <laughs> what is the evidence that maybe you're actually in a line with God's, where God wants you, and you're moving in that direction is you're experiencing more resistance, not less?
2: Right. And it's a different kind of resistance because mm-hmm. I've, I've made the comparison before of like, when you know that you're like walking in what the Holy Spirit is guiding you into, sometimes it feels like you're running downhill.
1: Resistance versus oppression. That's, oppression yeah. is that heaviness where you can't defeat it. That's right. Resistance is that I'm running towards Jesus and I know all of a sudden I'm feeling discouraged. Yeah.
2: When you have Satan on defense, yeah. he's going to be that defensive line. And where he's going to try to push that's through. That's
1: right. Yeah. yeah. And whereas oppressed, there are some times where, and, and here's the thing, we didn't get into this on Sunday morning because it opens up a whole nother conversation. But, you know, we, we talked about generational sins yeah. and generation, generational consequences versus generational curses. Yeah. One of the things that we see in a lot of the authors that I read in talking about spiritual warfare You know, we talked about this generational sin or generational consequences that some of the lies and the strongholds that we believed weren't necessarily told to us. We inherited them from families. And uh, a couple authors that I read actually mentioned, they said, you know, here's the thing about the demonic. Sometimes a demonic spirit gets passed down from generation and follows that family around Mm -hmm. because that it got opened up by that first person. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, I wonder what. Sins and beliefs I brought into my family line.
2: there is um, an artist that I like a lot and his name, It's Not Going Medicine for the People, and he's a Christian Native American that was um, adopted a Native American that was adopted into a white Christian family in a suburb. Uh, and he writes this really beautiful music that connecting his Native American heritage to like current Christianity. Why I bring that up is because one of the things he talks about, is you know the history of Native Americans being raped and pillaged out of their homelands, yeah. and now they have so much alcoholism and rape so prevalent on the reservation because it followed them. It followed them, yeah, generational. And at first, it wasn't their fault—not yeah. even close. It was trauma done to them.
1: Yeah, but then eventually, there's that, and I've said this numerous times: if you don't heal what cuts you, you bleed on those That's who didn't right. wound you.
2: At, I mean, at a certain point, and that's what you talk about when you're talking about that confessing. At a certain point, like Nehemiah, confessing the sins of his ancestors. Yes. Because you take you have to take some responsibility and ownership of where where your own sin is leading
1: you. Well, so even looking at children, okay? And and, I, I, and much like animals, and not that I'm comparing, comparing <laughs> oh, children to animals.
2: He's not. But <laughs> there's
1: no such thing as a bad dog.
2: Oh, yeah. Yes, it's a bad right.
1: owner. It's the owner. It's the person who didn't treat that animal with... with
2: Oh, we see it. You see it anytime you work with kids and you see or hear a way that a kid speaks to other kids or to other adults. They learn that. They learn that. Now,
1: here's the thing, though. Eventually.
2: Yes. <laughs> eventually,
1: they now it's moved from this was done to them. Now they're doing it.
2: That's right. Mm-hmm. And there's a
1: thin line. I don't know when you could say, oh, it starts at eight. I think right? it's different yeah. for everyone. And, but I also think it also depends on what it is. I yeah. think there are some things that you may not realize the effect of that. So, for instance, I don't know if very many. and I'm not saying that there aren't these cases. But how many eight-year-olds who have come from an alcoholic background who are drinking? That does happen. Right. Mm. They may not realize that they have, they may know there's alcoholism, but it's not until they have that opportunity to take the first drink. And regardless of whether or not alcoholism runs in their family, the minute they made the choice to take a drink, now it's on them.
3: It's, this, is, this is kind of a side point, but uh, I don't know if any of you have ever uh, read uh, The Shining at all.
1: Stephen no. King, no. yeah, one no. of the one of the Seven. big things
3: is the main character is Jack Torrance, and he uh, he struggles with alcoholism in the novel, and then it just overtakes. Well, and then there's like supernatural, like ghosts in this hotel too. But his son, that he Stephen King wrote that book, The Shining, And then he wrote a sequel called Doctor Sleep, which follows yep, Doctor the Sleep son really good, yeah. That and me. the son is Dan Torrance, Danny, and he was the little boy in The Shining, and now he's grown up. And it's, I was reading that book. It's so good. The intro is like him wanting to be like, I hate my dad and his alcoholism. I don't want to be that at all. And then he just falls into it because yeah. his life is just beset with all of these past traumas and the ghosts, quote unquote, that follow him both literally and figuratively. Figuratively, yeah. And the whole novel is him like coming to terms with, oh, I've become my father. Oh no. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which is not that the biggest fear of every person. I don't wanna be so-and-so, I don't wanna be like my dad, I don't wanna be yeah. like my mom. Mm-hmm. I don't wanna be you, the
2: thing that I
1: it. And then you, then you get in that moment where you're pressed in what comes out.
2: That's right.
1: And that's I think every human being goes to right. that where you're like, oh my gosh, that's, even if you have wonderful parents. Yeah. Even awesome. if you have the greatest parents in the world and all of a sudden you're like, I sound just like my dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: oh, I yeah. definitely sound like my mother when I'm scolding Gabe.
1: One of my uh-huh.
0: favorite illustrations is, uh, there's this mob boss, like a high crime boss and he's going to prison. And he has two adult sons. One son is also a criminal, and the other son is a lawyer. Hmm. And uh, as the father was going to jail, these two sons were interviewed, and they were asked the same question: "Why did you end up like this?" And they both gave the same answer: "Have you seen my dad? How could I not?" Yeah. Oh sure. Yeah. I think that's the difference Crazy. between
2: walking in being survivor. Like when you have trauma that happens to you or around you or that generational trauma that you inherit even, you can walk in being a survivor. Yeah, You can walk in, but that's baseline. Surviving is baseline. You have to walk in victory of Christ.
1: So James uses the uh, the word for trial and temptation is the exact same word in Greek. It's parasmos. Yeah. It literally, what it means is, and the reason why it's the same word is it's either a trial temptation based on how you handle it. Yeah. So you could have the exact same situation, but if it leads you to sin, it was a temptation. If it leads you to victory, it was a trial. And yet it's all based upon your own weaknesses, your own dependence on Christ, whether or not you are. And I think what it should give us is a level of compassion for people who struggle because we all have those strongholds in our lives. Have you
2: heard that phrase where it's like, it doesn't matter if somebody drown in an inch of water or 20 feet of water? They're still dead.
1: They still drown. They still drown. They still yeah. Drown. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, you
2: can't compare trauma.
1: And that's okay. So when we think about the generational, now we, I don't know if I got into this on Sunday or not, cause I may get rid of it, but it does say that we don't have a gener I don't believe we have generational curses. However, we do have a sin curse, mm-hmm. When Adam and Eve sinned. And I love uh, Dan Kimball's, his book, how not to read the Bible. Great book, by the way, he deals with a lot of the problematic questions of scripture so, like, for instance, the King James talks about unicorns. Do we really believe in Ooh. unicorns? Yeah. <laughs> You're too You're totally to. Yeah, it's my favorite
2: um, animal. <laughs> but he
1: gives the illustration. He says, you know, when Adam and Eve sinned, it was like a nuclear explosion. It, it literally death reigned into creation. Well, now you have the fallout, all the radioactive fallout as a result of that. And that fallout affected everybody mm-hmm. after the fact. You made, like... The sin, the sin curse means that all human beings have. We don't have a predilection to sin. We are sinners. Hmm. I don't sin because I'm a sinner. Uh, no, sorry, I'm not a sinner because I sin. I sin because in my heart I'm a sinner. That's right. part of that nuclear fallout. Your
3: identity is now corrupted by this notion that you are sinful at birth, and that's one.
1: Well, but see, and that's the other part. Is some sure. people will say babies are born innocent. Hmm. No, they haven't sinned yet, but they're not innocent. And we know that right. because babies lie, children lie pretty early on in life. Even if they're not modeled, they're mm-hmm. selfish by nature. And it's
2: that survivor instinct takes in even feral children. There's been research that shows like how, how they interact with others, even as a feral child is violent. They said,
1: they learned it. And yeah. you, you can say, well, they learned it from so-and-so. No, it's that's the, I'm not a sinner because I sin. I'm a sin. I sin because I'm a sinner. Yeah. And and here's the part in this is that while we do not, we're not punished for Adam and Eve's sin. We're punished for our part in that sin. That's right. And the generational consequence, see, the generational curse, the idea that some people in charismatic circles move in this more is that, you know, there's a, there's a curse that God has on your entire family and you're now dealing with it. But I think sometimes it's a semantic issue because what they really mean is, let's say your family, and sometimes it could be witchcraft. There was a curse placed on your family because someone in your family got involved with Wicca or Ouija boards or horoscopes or something like that. And now God is punishing you for it. No, it's not that God's punishing you. It's that there's a consequence of that sin being passed down. And so you may not realize it, but let's say you had a family member who was into witchcraft. You're not being punished for it but you're feeling the effects of it.
2: We see that even when Jesus in the Gospels is taught, when the disciples see the blind man and they said so whose sin Who's is he getting punished right. for and Jesus is like nobody he's just blind.
1: And and that's <laughs> and so this whole idea of generational curse is actually it's it's a Judaic. It's a thought within Judaism. But however what we do see is that it's very clear that there are consequences and those sins affect and infect us. And, and though I'm not being punished, and this is why I like the illustration of, um, you know, I've shared this before. I've never met my dad. I can almost bet that there are certain struggles in my life that, on a genetic level, I struggle with because my father did. Yeah, it's
2: that mm. nature versus nurture. And
1: yeah, and there were things that because here's what here's what new scientific research, neuroscience and uh, cellular research is showing that trauma and sins can actually affect us on a, ce- a cellular level. It's called epigenetics and. I I read a book by Neil Stevenson called sevens, seven, 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 something like that. I don't
3: remember. Oh, I think I know the book you're talking about. I haven't read it.
1: I listened to it. And the whole point is, is that what epigenetics are and for the science geek people, they love it. um, These things don't change your cellular level like cancer does. Cancer changes the cellular structure DNA, right? Mm. That's not what happens. Rather every DNA has an expression Mm. and epigenetics means that the DNA looks the same, but how that DNA expresses itself looks different. Sure. And so you'll have latent things. You'll have things that are on the cellular level, you wouldn't know there's any difference until it expresses itself. Mm-hmm. And they're seeing this, and the body keeps the score. Um, that's kind of the idea is that when, if your parents are traumatized, sexual violence, physical violence, uh, emotional, spiritual violence, if they don't deal with that trauma, that trauma affects them on a cellular level. And then if they get pregnant and they've had that unresolved trauma, that the feelings of that, the body awareness to that, which leads to anxiety and depression and everything else can pass to your children. Mm-hmm. And people are like, that's not fair. Well, no, that's just how the human body is.
2: That's right. It, it, it did serve a purpose at one point. You know, if we think about hunter-gatherer human beings, that if you live in an area where there is tigers and you're constantly in a trauma vigilance. response, vigilance, your children are born with a natural vigilance yeah. to that. And you're able to adapt and you continue for generations to adapt to your environment. What happens is that that adapt, adaptation that we have now is no longer relevant in the freedom of Christ. So just because if you have generations of your father and their father, maybe there's generations of fatherlessness, but you get a chance to break that. Yeah,
1: and in Jesus, you can end it once and for all. Now let's say, okay, so I'll use mine. Generation of fatherlessness. I didn't have a dad. My son has a dad. Amen. But here's the thing. I still need to break that generational consequence and not just modeling it after my son, but actually this is where the spiritual side we pray against it and we yes. release it. We basically say there are no curses. And so I've spoken over my son and over my family, the fa- the curse of fatherlessness, yeah, the generational consequence of fatherless ended with me Amen. in Jesus name. Now, if my son does it, it's because he's made a choice. Now
2: he needs to take that ownership as That's well. That's right.
1: There. Now, but I've got my own things that I bring in. That's right. And And so this is the hard part about this is that so many people I know are not living in victory because they've not done the exposing work to ask the hard questions. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I, was, I was just thinking like, all of that that you're talking about is like expunging the generational curse and really identifying it. And hit. I'm like, oh, it's so uncomfortable. Nobody wants <laughs> well, to do that. So,
1: you know, I was actually reading, I was reading several articles and several places and one of the complaints, one of the philosophies among some people, including Christians is, well, just live in the future. You're dwelling too much in the past. Mm-hmm. And here's the problem. If you do not learn from the past, you are doomed to repeat it. That's right. So we don't live in the past, but we do learn from it. Amen. And when we expose something, when we take a sin, if I look at, so, you know, um, there's my favorite, and I'm going to butcher the quote, I think, I hope, I hope I say it right. The whole point of parenting is to damage, to minimize the damage I have on my children. All children, every parent is going to damage their child to some degree, right? I just want to minimize it as much as possible. Amen. Um, but in that, I want my children also to be able to go, my dad wasn't perfect. And to be able to name and say, you know, sometimes my dad was this and not to carry the guilt of that, but so that they can expose it and say now in Jesus name, I'm making choices to move past that. Now here's the other side of it. We talked about the role of therapy. Jesus can heal this. So it's the illustration of ACL. I tore my ACL. Yeah. Even though they came in and surgically repaired it, I still had to do. I had to do physical therapy. Yes. Yeah. I truly believe that the Holy Spirit can break generational consequences. That He can heal the lies that we've been told. But sometimes the role of therapy, the role of community, is to uh, it, it's to rehab yeah. us so that now we don't re-injure it, so we don't fall back That's into right. those things. Right. And it's not that Jesus didn't heal. Yeah. It's that there's still work to be done. And yet, what so often we want in the church is well, I prayed a prayer. Now it's done. Now move on. And then we wonder why we keep on falling back.
2: I think that sometimes, too, we forget that, like, yes, Jesus healed me. And I, would, I was healed from my you know, sexual assault and things like that. But here's when you fix up a house and it's beautiful, what happens if you never mow your lawn, if you never yeah. repaint, if you never clean it up? Or
1: you don't fix the plumbing.
2: That you don't think so funny. and it, it falls back into disrepair yeah. we need to learn how to maintain our blessings yeah. how to really look at them and be able to walk with new life skills and coping skills to continue that sanctification to continue yeah. that it's walk just, with Christ
3: and it's just so easy to be like oh I got a brand new house cool I don't, have to do any, I, I don't have to do anything else. I don't you want are to do anything else.
1: That's you, true. Have you read any of the stuff on, um, remember all the home makeover shows back in the early Extreme 2000s? Home maker. Yeah. How many yep. of those houses were put together? They made it look good on camera. Yeah. Or you had somebody that, yeah, they get this brand new beautiful house, but they can't pay the mm-hmm. light bill. They can't keep up with the income tax or the taxes, yes. probably yeah. taxes. I
3: think I did see something about and that. And it's yeah.
1: crazy, like the amount of people who, had to leave their house. Their house was worse than when it started. It looked yeah. great, but yeah. they didn't deal with the actual issues.
2: That's right.
1: And, you know, when we look at these things, how we, we have to defeat the strongholds, but we also have to realize we can fall back into the strongholds.
2: That's
1: right. um, when I was younger, I used to, I used to sprain my ankles all the time, all the time, playing basketball. The ankles. Yes, with the ankles. Well, here's what I learned is that once you sprain an ankle, it's easier to sprain it again because yes. the ligaments are looser, yes. right? Yeah. So once you have a stronghold, even though you've defeated that stronghold in Christ, you still have a tendency if you're not careful to fall back into that's it.
2: That's right. And
1: that's so, right. yeah, you can do the work, but that's why we need community. It's We need those stabilizers. We need continued walk in the spirit. Because when somebody says, well, once and for all it's done, no. That's, I look at Lazarus. Lazarus was raised from the dead. He still died again. Yeah. And so Satan knows that if he had a stronghold once, he knows that he can be it can be a stronghold for you again. And guess yeah, where he's going to do? He knows end? things
2: about you. He knows how hard that yes. is for you. Yeah. And his
1: demons are paying attention. And then on top of that, you have our own insecurities. Amen. You have the own things where we don't think we deserve. Uh, we don't deserve to live in God's grace. And here's the thing. I don't deserve God's grace, but I do deserve to live in that grace. Yeah. Because that's what Jesus has done for me. I didn't earn it. So I think I'm that's about another,
2: when we were talking about strongholds of like those hidden strongholds, we, we all talked about like, you know, the American culture, but I think we, we left out shame. Shame keeps us in our strongholds. Yeah. Shame is a stronghold and it, it's probably wrapped around most strongholds is some form of shame, shame because yeah. unless you can call it out, name it, do that hard work. Why can't you? Are you well, that ashamed? goes back to
1: that noise, nose to the grind, like in yeah. your... I have to do it. And the shame, if I can't, then what's wrong with me? Then
2: something's wrong with Mm -hmm. me. Then I'm not worthy.
1: Yeah. Or or I need to
3: put on this persona of perfectionism. Or I am... Oh, yeah. uh,
2: You
3: know, I've got... Everything's fine right now. And just the hidden shame of like, everything's not fine. And nobody can know. Nobody can find out.
1: There's no such thing as I'm okay, you're okay, I'm not okay, and you're not okay. <laughs> I'm, right
2: now, I'm in a Bible study with a group of really incredible women, and we're doing Jenny Allen's new Find Your People, and it's so fun. I love Jenny Allen. She's just a fun, vulnerable, um, well-spoken uh, Christian writer and does a lot of cool things. Um, but one of the things she talked about was—I um, forgot what I was going to say about it, but it was, <laughs> what, I'm sorry— but anyway, it was talking about... <laughs> I got distracted by talking about Uncle Jenny and it was... But it was talking about... We love you, um, Bob Goff. We do love you. I love Bob Goff too. And I completely forgot. But it's a good one if you guys are concerned. There we
1: go. <laughs> Just read the book. All right. So here before we get to the end of this, we talked about the ways that we break those strongholds because that was really the goal is how do we break strongholds? So first you have to acknowledge and name it. When you name something, you take away part of its power. When I name a stronghold mm-hmm. of lust... I'm acknowledging it's there, which means Satan goes, oh, lights are on. <laughs> and he doesn't like that. Like, if you don't know it's a sin, Satan's already winning, right? It's, it's yeah. home
3: alone when Harry and Marv pull up to the house and all the lights are on. And there's like the, the cardboard cutouts of the people going across the windows. Like, oh, I guess
1: they are home. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. So, the minute you acknowledge and name a sin, that's the first step in Satan going, uh oh, he's aware.
2: Yeah.
1: Now, Satan's going to double down. And so once you do that, you expose it. You expose the lie. You not just flip on the lights. You say, okay, this is now you, in order to expose something, you first have to acknowledge the falsehood of it. So you, you begin to speak God's truth into that and saying, no, no, this is not who God has called me to be. This is not true. I am not this. I'm, I'm something else because of Jesus. Then we go into confession. And we have to confess that sin and including the sins that were done to us. And this is the hard part. You're not confessing that you've sinned. You're confessing that that sin has impacted you.
2: Yeah, you're calling it out into the light.
1: Yeah, and and as a result, and here's the thing. So victims of abuse did not, they did not sin when they were abused. But think about all the bad choices you've made because of that abuse. Amen. Mm -hmm. As an attempt, and it's not your fault that that happened. Amen. But those things led you to do other things that were not healthy. I think of the number of people who have dealt with sexual abuse uh, or or had abusive relationships and they end up seeking other bad relationships. Yes. You're not saying that what happened to you was the problem. You're that's 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 what they did with sin. But their sin has now led you to sin and you confess, God, I gave that sin too much power. Lord, that sin spoke and I believed that lie because of that I did x y and z. Yeah. I believed that I was worthless. I believed that I deserved like those are all lies. Yeah. And then in part of that confession, then you have to move to repentance. Part of the problem that I see within my own life, and I see this in the church, is we love to confess. We don't really like to repent. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: the fault is when the ignorance is broken, but you still choose to live in it. That's right. You're, you, you've made yourself aware, but you can get stuck there. If you aren't moved to action, well, then you haven't done anything.
1: Okay, so like think of a legal document. Legal document, let's say it has to be signed in black ink. Okay, now maybe you didn't know that for a long time. You were signing everything in blue, and then one day you get all these documents mailed back to you saying it has to be black. And you go, "Oh, I'm sorry, I did that." And then what do you do? You go right back to writing it in blue. <laughs> right? blue right? pen, right? <laughs> this, this pen is royal <laughs> blue, right? And that's straight from liar, liar. liar. Um, but but the point is, is that that's usually what we do. We acknowledge something is wrong, but then we don't change the behavior, which means we didn't really we confess, but we didn't repent. Yeah, there, and I took.
3: Oh yeah, I was just say like there's the the common adage is like the first step to fixing a problem is acknowledging that there is one. That's right. But then there are other steps it's after just that. In fact, <laughs>
2: shameless uh, CR plug. The fourth step is to confess your sins and those of others, and you take a moral inventory. Yeah. And it's hmm. so healing and so incredible. And that what we're talking about there when you said it's it's not your fault what those have done to to you but it's calling it out into the light what is that james 5 6 where it's like confess your sins so that you may be healed that's right pray for one another so you may be healed
1: so and and i think this is where in catholics they get confession right and i don't agree with all their theology around it but there's a reason why we're called to confess when we speak something out loud we're exposing it we have to confess jesus is lord that's right so confession is not just confessing of sin we have to confess that jesus is lord right and when we confess that verbal, Because again, Satan doesn't know my thoughts. Yeah. Satan doesn't know my thoughts. So if I'm not confessing it just because i changed my action, unless I actually say this is wrong, Satan's going, oh, I still got an in. Yeah. But the minute I say, no, it's wrong that I did this. Now all of a sudden Satan's like, I, and what is he going to do? He's going to work overtime. That's right. Now the next part of that is now you have to repent. You right. have to turn from that sin. And here's the thing. You're not saved just because of your confession. The evidence of your confession is your repentance. That's right. Which is why Hebrew says, fix your eyes on Jesus, Amen. the author and pioneer, the perfecter of your faith. And what does Satan do? So the illustration I used on Sunday was, you know, if Jesus is calling you towards him, that means you're walking away from him. The enemy wants to get in the way of the cross. He wants to get in the way of Jesus. And so when you're walking away from Jesus, the enemy is just literally just encouraging you. He's not mm-hmm. shoving you violently. He's just like, "Nope, you got this. He's, he's making it easier, right? Yep. Well, you've got the Holy Spirit saying, you're going the wrong way. Turn to me, turn to Jesus. And when you actually turn and confess and repent, now all of a sudden Satan is still there, but he's going to become the obstacle.
3: Yeah, now he's shoving you. (laughs) Now he's
1: getting in your way. And and, and I wonder, we talked about, I wonder if the evidence that you're walking in the Spirit, the evidence that you're following Jesus is that things might get harder, not easier. Yeah. that temptation seems to be more in your way because Satan's like, no, look over here, look over here. Distraction, 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 right? Mm-hmm. And he's he's going to make things, he's going to make it harder at your job. yeah. Because that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to distract you. But the Holy yeah. Spirit, the Holy Spirit's way bigger than Satan. and And the Holy Spirit now has that ability, but you have to hold on to the Spirit. You don't fight the war. Jesus does. The Holy Spirit does. Our job is to be faithful, to let the Holy Spirit push us through and that's what we need the armor of God we Amen. need the belt of truth because when the lie comes we can proclaim that's a lie we speak the truth but then we need to guard our heart right. with the Restful. righteousness of Christ yeah. not my righteousness that's right. mm-hmm. so it's not look at how good I am look at how strong I am it's look yeah. at how strong Jesus is look at how good Jesus is and when we do that now we're beginning to break those strongholds but again let's not forget. If something's been a stronghold once, Satan knows that he can get it to be a stronghold again.
2: Yeah.
1: And so we have to be vigilant, which is why Paul says stand firm. Yeah, and right. then he doesn't say stand firm. He says, and then continue to stand firm. Yeah. And then once you stand firm, stand even firmer. And he keeps <laughs> on saying that stand, 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 because he realizes just because you stand firm once doesn't mean you're gonna stand firm the second time. That's
2: right.
1: And the enemies, and we're gonna get into later on the end of the lies that the enemy flings and we're going to talk about the shield of faith and the helmet of uh, salvation and the, the, the shoes
2: of the readiness of the gospel of peace. Yes, <laughs> I mean, all
1: of those, and the sword of the spirit. Right. And we're going to get into those. But in the next couple of weeks, here's what I'm excited about. We're going to start talking about what are the things that we need to resist against and how do we resist? How do we use some of the things that God has given us that Satan wants to turn against us? We can actually use as a way to live in truth by resisting. So, for instance, one of the ways that we resist is rest.
2: Mm, amen.
1: Satan now, not laziness. That's
2: right.
1: Satan wants to keep us busy, or he wants to he wants to make us inactive.
2: Yeah.
1: Rest is not inaction.
2: True Sabbath. True mm-hmm.
1: Sabbath, and that is one of the most direct spiritual warfare things you can do.
2: Yeah, you want to talk about an American stronghold? Yes. Inability okay. to go,
1: sleep. go, go. And, and you know how he lies to you? He said, "Oh, this is your Sabbath, so don't go to church." Take a break. You deserve a break.
2: You earned it. You
1: earned it. And the enemy's like, no, the purpose of rest.
2: My grace is a gift.
1: Yeah. Can't earn it. All right. Hey, this is, I'm super excited. I don't, I have no clue how long this series is going to (laughs) last. I'm trying to be, okay. So here's the thing. Usually I'll say, you know, this is a six week series. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to listen to the spirit and be obedient and not just say, we're going to talk about this. So that way if the Lord brings things up, but also end things at the right time, because I don't want to drag them wrong. But I think like the Awakened series, I had no clue how long that was going to last. And it actually ended up perfectly. It ended right as we went into the summer. Uh, or, and then we got him to testify. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So here's the thing. As we think about this, my challenge for you is what are the strongholds in your life? Can you acknowledge and name them? Speak my them man. out loud. Confess. Expose them. Expose them for the lies they are. Confess. Repent. Hold on to truth. And then ultimately move into the righteousness of Christ and let let that begin to break those lies, those strongholds in your life. Well, hey, uh, this has been the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. I'm Kate. I'm John. I'm Jaden. Hey, Jaden, it was great having you here. Thank you for having me. Woo! Bye.
2: Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown.